0: Probably, like most of you, my wife, well, most of you guys, my wife is my better judgment. <clears throat> Whenever I want to do something or I have questions about something, I'll ask her first before I do it, and then she'll say, I don't think I would do that. And so I trust her. Um, uh, my judgment isn't always too good. So the other day, I said to Kim, I said, well, you know, my, my sermon's on covering sin, and um, there's a way I think that could illustrate it, and I want to know if I can do it. And she said, go ahead, just don't use a new tie. Well, I I don't know if you can see that or not. There's a huge mustard spot on this tie right here. It was hard to even put this on. I wouldn't wear it through Bible class, but I wanted to wear it today because I want to make a point about how people... Try to cover sin. And if this really gets distracting, and I don't know if you can see it from the back, but I tell you, it smells like a hamburger up here. (laughs) There's mustard and ketchup on this tie, and I'm kind of ready for lunch, actually. But uh, if if it's distracting, talk to Kim about it. It was her judgment that said, I can go ahead and do it. But the Bible describes sin as a blemish. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said, you know, what we need to do is present the church back to God without spot and without blemish. Um, You read in the book of Jude, uh, the blemishes or the spots that were done or created on the love feast by the church there, by those who were sinning. And there are several other references to uh, spots and blemishes in uh, reference to sin and that brought to mind uh, passages such as Romans chapter 4 because David uh, Paul or Paul was quoting David from Psalm 32 and he said blessed oh how blessed is the person to whom the lord will not impute sin how blessed is the person whose sins have been forgiven or covered and so i wanted to make some points about that and offer to you the blessing of forgiveness and the covering that Jesus can offer your life. Because I'll tell you, even though I did this purposefully, I'm really uncomfortable standing up here with this big spot, crusty spot on my tie. But here's how people deal with sin. They deal with it in a number of inadequate ways. In fact, I can open my Bible and I can read in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 20, as God describes the children of Israel, one of the most apt descriptions of inadequacy uh, in all the Bible. He said it's like laying down on a bed that is too short and a cover that is too narrow. That's what your efforts amount to. And a lot of times we do things that are very inadequate to cover our sins. We're concerned about our sin. We don't like it there, but we don't do the right thing to get rid of it. We take a number of other paths, and so I'd like for look to look at some of the paths that we take. Number one, we try to cover sin, cover it ourselves, rather than having the Lord remove it or cover it for us. And that's pretty. Common. You know, I could stand up here and just kind of hold my Bible here. Maybe that looks kind of natural. You know, you wouldn't notice anything about my tie being stained or or i might back a few years ago my grandmother you remember those polo shirts and the women started flipping the collars up on them my grandma started doing that i was like no don't do that but she did it anyway but i could take the lapels here and maybe flip these up and cover that up a little bit better or just kind of hold my bible here for the whole time and you wouldn't see it but it's still there the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, the very first sin, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, what did they do? They, they hid from God. When God cried out and said, Adam, where are you? They were hiding because of their sin. Well, you can't hide from God. You might be able to hide certain things, and I might be able to go through the whole service and hold my Bible here, and you'd never know I had a stain on my tie. But it doesn't remove the stain just because you don't see it. God sees it, and He knows. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14, the Bible says that every, not, not just every known sin, but every secret sin will be brought to light in that day, and we'll have to give an account for in the day of judgment In John chapter 3 and verse 19, it tells us and helps us to understand why men like darkness rather than light because you can hide things in darkness. Uh, Maybe if we turn the lights out, you wouldn't even be able to see that there was a spot on this tie. So that's why men like darkness rather than light, because they can hide a little bit better, but you can't hide from God. And so the bottom line is that's really inadequate, uh, you can try to cover your sin and hide it and and not let people know that you've done it. And you can be secretive and sneaky and, and go out under the cover of darkness and do your thing. But God sees, and you'll have to give an answer for it. So that's really inadequate. Another way that people deal with sin is they try to rationalize it. Well, I know I was getting ready for church, and I spilled that mustard and ketchup on here. But it's not like I spilled it all the way down my tie. And did you see so-and-so's shirt last week? He had a ring around the collar and, and he had like spots on the side of his shirt. Yeah, I, I can rationalize and say, well, yeah, I did spill something, but it's not as bad as what somebody else did. What does that do for me? You know, the Bible, again, has its answer to that kind of an approach. And I think a lot of people do that. I, I've had people come to me and say, well, I'll tell you, here's my vice. I do such and such, but at least I'm not doing, and then they'll rank some sin greater than it. That, what's that do for us? That gets us nowhere. In fact, God said specifically, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 12, don't compare yourself with others who can justify themselves. Uh, it's a foolish thing to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so, You know what that might mean? That we both spend time separated from God forever. I mean, that doesn't give me any... The fact that I may be better than four or five other people doesn't mean that I'm right in the eyes of God. I can't compare myself by the standard of other people. my, My spot may be smaller than somebody else's spot, but it's a spot And it stains my tie or it stains the spot of sin, stains my soul. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, the Bible reminds us that in the day of judgment, each one of us must give an account of ourselves to God. I'm not going to stand before God as a family and say, well, my wife did this and this and this and this. Does that count for me? Oh, there may be some things that you do together, but I'm going to be judged by myself. I can't ride the coattails and the works and the efforts and the faith of anybody else as as I stand before God. It's just God and myself. And so where I might feel a little bit justified and a a little bit better because my spot isn't as big as somebody else's spot while I'm here, when I stand before God, There's nobody I'm going to be able to point around to and say, yeah, but. It's just he's interested in me at that moment. What do I have to say for myself and the stain of sin in my life? Some people try to deny their sin. They try to deny that they have a spot on their soul. You know, you could say, Steve, you spilled something on your tie. And I could say, no, I didn't. That's abstract. Don't you... Don't you know art when you sit? That's contrast. That's, that, that mustard goes with the gray. And, and that's just, uh, that's supposed to be that way. <clears throat> Have you ever, if you've had children, you've experienced this. Have you ever had a child showing off in front of you? Watch me do this somersault. Or watch me do this. And they'll, they'll try it and they, they fall and they'll say, I meant to do that. Of course you did. You know, that, but they that, that's what they say. They want to justify. I meant to do that. But no, you didn't. And and I can say, you know, that's supposed to be that way. I meant to do that, uh, when the fact is I didn't. I don't fool anybody by that. We can't deny our sins. First John chapter one and verse seven reminds us, or verse eight reminds us that if we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. We make God a liar because God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin, according to 1 John 3 and verse 4, is a transgression of God's law or lawlessness. And so we're all guilty of sin. We can't deny that we have these spots, these stains on our life. And it's, I mean... I can stand here and try to convince you that that's not a, a stain. But you know it is. And uh, I'm just fooling myself. Another way that people try to deal with sin is they try to ignore it. They just act as though nothing's there. You, I just won't look down. It's not there. Just because you don't deal with something and you put it in the back or put it off and try to get it out of your mind and just forget about That you have this spot, that that doesn't mean that the spot is gone. And and I think people try to deal with sin like that. They they think that time erases sin. There's no such time is not an eraser. Here's what happens to a lot of people: they'll they'll be unfaithful to God. They'll have sin in their life, and so they wander for a ways. For a period of time, they they're negligent in their obligations to God and His Church and His Kingdom and to God Himself, and uh, they just go their own way, do their own thing, and then after a while they decide, well, you know, I I don't think that's probably the best way I should do deal with that, and so uh, they they come back and they say, um, well, they say nothing. They, they just kind of slip back in and. Start doing the right things again. And you see, time and the change of conduct kind of takes care of everything, right? You know, we talk about backsliders. Is there such a thing as insiders in the church? People who just slide back in after a period of negligence and waywardness. I'll tell you what forgives sin is not pretending that it isn't there and it's not trying to ignore it, it's dealing with it and saying, I made a mistake. I had an accident. I made a mess. And I want to deal with it. I want forgiveness for it. I want help. There are people who will despair when it comes to sin. Oh, look what I did to this tie and I'm getting ready for church. I'm just not going to go to church. I mean, I can't go to church looking like this. Well, what would people think? I felt that way last week when I was in Kentucky in a gospel meeting, and I forgot my shoes. And I, I get my suit on, and I go to put my shoes on, and I have no shoes but these bowling shoes, as they were called by some folks. Um, they look kind of like bowling shoes after they said that. But I, I, it was horrible. And I, th- You know, I could have said, oh, I can't go to church looking like this. There are people who despair when they sin. And they just give up. Do you remember Judas? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, that after Judas had betrayed Jesus and they paid him for it, he didn't feel good about that. There was something about it. And he came and he brought the money back and said, I can't take this. I, I betrayed the Lord. And they wouldn't take the money. And so he just threw it down and he went out and he hung himself despair and then you can look at other people in the bible and you can read of the despair that you see in their lives and how that uh they just give up and look around you and see people who have made mistakes and they just think there's no way back it's just too hard a road to travel and and i'm not i'm not gonna do it they give up they quit they give up on god because of the mistakes they've made in their life People despair when they spot and blemish their life. And then another way that people deal with sin is that they, they try to compensate with good works. Well, I got this spot on my tie, so guess what I'll do? I'll wear a suit today. I'll wear a jacket and, um, well, I'll wear new shoes. Uh, I'll put my new shoes, and I'll polish them even. And so I've got a jacket on, and I've got polished shoes. That ought to make up for the tide, right? doesn't work that way. People sometimes will become disobedient to God, and when they come back, they, they, they well, how am I going to make up for that? Well, I'm going to do good works. I'm, I'm going to be the most active person at church. I'm going to, every time there's a need, I'm going to be right there, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be involved, and, and they can run themselves to death compensating or trying to compensate for their sin. But that's not the compensation. That's not how you cover. That's not how you get rid of the spot. We can't be saved by our good works. And that's what was just read a little bit ago. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Titus 3 and verse 5. But it's because of God's goodness and His grace that we are saved. And so... Wow, it's good to do good works, you don't erase your mistakes because of your good works. You don't outweigh your sins by your good works and think that that's going to cover it. There has to be a way to cover our sins. All of those ways that I talked about are ways that I know of that people choose. They're paths that people choose for themselves in a way to deal with the spots in their life. But every one of them is inadequate. How do I adequately get rid of the spots, the stains in my life? And folks, there's only one way. And it's the blood of Jesus. His blood must cover and wash us from our sins. Without the blood, there is no remission of sins. The blood of Jesus Christ is the satisfaction for our sin. You see, our sin separates us from God because God is holy, and we, when we sin, we become unholy, and we can't dwell with Him because we have that barrier between us. But I'll tell you what, Romans chapter 3, the end of the chapter, Paul says, all right, here's the way it works. We have redemption in Christ because Jesus shed his blood on the cross. And when he did that, that satisfied God. That was payment enough for our sins. And so that God can both be just in saying, I forgive you. And the justifier of men, he, he can both be just and the justifier because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't, Take or make uh, appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ, you remain with your sin. The spots are there. It's the only thing that this world has that can remove the stain of sin. The Bible also tells us about the blood of Christ in Romans chapter five verses six through 10, that it reconciles peoples. It reconciles people to people. It reconciles people to God. Uh, We're separated from God because of our sins. And there's a beautiful picture in Isaiah chapter 11 of the, the nature of the kingdom of God. Because when you come into the kingdom, well, a child can stick his hand in a snake's hole and not be bitten. A lamb can lay down with a lion. That's the nature of the kingdom. It brings otherwise warring people together and they can live harmoniously. It happened with Jews and Gentiles. Can you imagine the animosity that existed between Jews and Gentiles for generations, for thousands of years? They hated each other. There was no contact. That the Gentiles were despised and unclean. And that you know, we talk about racial relations in the United States and how strained that is that's nothing compared to the Jewish-Gentile relationship. But Jesus said, or Paul said in Ephesians 2 and verse 16, that that barrier between them has been broken down and we are both reconciled to God in one body now. You know, uh, Benny's sitting over there. Benny's not my enemy. We're a different race, but we're both brothers in Christ. We're in the body of Christ. And That breaks down those natural barriers that we see in society among people. But it doesn't exist in the kingdom of God because of the blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the blood of Christ is adequate, not just for those who have hardly sinned, but for the greatest of sinners. The Apostle Paul characterized himself as the chief of sinners. That may be hyperbole, that may be the way he viewed it. I have a hard time seeing Paul was the chief of sinners, but uh, he was one who put to death Christians, and the weight of guilt that he must have carried for that must have been very heavy. But Paul says, "I'm the chief of sinners, and yet Paul was forgiven. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter well in Romans chapter five and verse 20, that where sin abounds, grace does more abound. You can't sin so many... I mean, there's not a number that when you reach that number up, you've out-sinned grace. Sorry, nothing left for you. You sin once too many times. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. It reminds me of what Jesus said, or what John said in John chapter 1, verse 16, as he describes the grace of God and he says we have received the grace of god grace upon grace not just grace but accumulated grace grace upon grace god just doles it out to us and so if you want to get rid of the stain of sin in your life you have to turn to god it's the blood of jesus it allows god to be just i can still remain holy and impartial It allows Him also to be a justifier of sinful men. It reconciles us to each other and to God Himself. And it is adequate for the worst of us. Well, how do I contact and how do I appropriate that blood? Well, your outline I have a typo. It's Romans 4, not Romans 6 that I meant to put there. But here's what you have. Here's how you appropriate the blood of Jesus. Those who were dead to sin are buried with Christ in baptism. And that's what you do with a dead person, right? When a person is dead, you bury them. You don't bury, and that's one of the problems with people who say you're saved before baptism, because you don't bury living people, you bury dead people. Here's a person who's dead to sin and in sin, and he's buried with Christ in baptism, and when he rises up, he rises up to walk in newness of life. That man who was once dead is now alive. What made him alive? The blood of Jesus Christ. What removed the stain of sin from his life? What transformed him from that old man of sin to that new man, a new beginning, a new creature in Jesus? It's the blood of Christ. But when do we contact or when do we contact the blood of Christ? Well, I see a man who's dead in sin and when he gets baptized and when he rises out of that water, he's a new man. He walks in newness of life. His sins are gone. He's alive now. The blood of Jesus is contacted at the time and in the place of our submission and baptism. And so that's what I would encourage anyone and everyone to do this morning if you haven't done so. Here's what we have. We have in this assembly people who have stains on their tie. Now, you may hide yours a little bit better than I hid mine this morning. There may be some who have adequately taken care of their stains. They've been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and that stain isn't there anymore. But there may be some folks here this morning who are keeping their jackets buttoned and who are carrying their Bibles to cover some stains in their life they don't want people to see. Maybe they've tried to rationalize it. Maybe they've tried to deny it. Maybe they've tried to hide it. You may have tried a lot of things, but if you haven't tried the blood of Jesus, you still have your sin, and the stain won't go away. And I promise you, you don't want to meet God in judgment with that stain of sin. There won't be anyone else to appeal to or to look to or to blame. It'll just be you and God, and He'll say, why? What will you say? Right now, you have the opportunity to remove whatever stains there are in your life. And if you need to do that, we encourage you to do so. If you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, make that decision and do that this morning. We'll assist you in that. And if you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and, and there are some things that you've rationalized, you've hid, you've denied. You've tried to just ignore. Come clean. The only way that it will ever be... Time doesn't forgive sin. Confession and repentance forgive sin by the power of God's blood. If you have sin in your life, let me just remind you what John said in John chapter 1. He said... If we confess our faults one to another, He is faithful to forgive us. If you need to make confession this morning and want the prayers of the church that you might be stronger more faithful in the future, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.